Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. You're selling your business. It's time to move on. And the best news is that you found a willing buyer. And the price is right. So what could go wrong from here? From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. Lawyers who regularly work on the often complex selling of businesses, like Andrew Henshaw and Scott McKenzie of Velocity Legal, will tell you that a lot can go wrong. In fact, they say, a business sale can present a minefield of issues for the uninitiated. But forewarned is forearmed. So Andrew and Scott highlight the sorts of problems that can arise and what you should do to avoid them. Andrew starts with an enormously frustrating scenario. The purchaser pulls out at the last minute, even after the contract's been signed. What allows them to do that? Asks Heather Dawson. Generally, once a contract is signed, there's there's not really any uh, get-out clauses or parachutes. However, there are some options called conditions precedent, which give the a platform to, for purchases to pull out of transactions in, in certain circumstances. So some examples are subject to finance, so the, the purchaser needing to get appropriate finance, uh, subject to due diligence, which is the purchaser needing to satisfy themselves that you know, everything under the hood is okay, or as subject to a transfer of lease. And if any of those conditions precedent are not satisfied, it may give the purchaser a right to back out of the deal. Those conditions may be necessary, but the, the point to note is it's, it's important to put appropriate parameters on those conditions, so to minimise the risk of a purchaser being able to pull out of a deal at the last moment. Okay. Now, then there's the question of price, and um, maybe this one's for you, Scott. Uh, you think you've negotiated a good price, but when you get to final settlement, that price seems to have shrunk. So how does that happen, and what can you do to stop that happening? Yeah, it's unfortunately quite a common situation where a vendor strikes a deal on a certain headline purchase price and they see that hard-coded in the contract of sale and they think that's kind of the end of the process. But unfortunately, from a vendor perspective, um, if you let in certain adjustments to the purchase price in the contract, things such as adjustments for employee entitlements, or there might be some potential adjustment to the purchase price, depending on the performance of the business after settlement, or even little things like an adjustment for the landlord's legal costs could be applied to the purchase price. So I guess the way to prevent your purchase price from (laughs) diluting significantly is just to keep an eye out for any adjustments and making sure that if there are any in there, that you're well prepared for that reduction. Okay, well, Scott, another issue, the purchaser won't pay the full amount at settlement and the vendor still has to worry about the future performance of the business. Is that common? Yeah, it's, um, it is a common um, scenario that we see pan out where there's perceived to be a higher risk with the business from a, a purchaser side. And often what they will do is they will um, integrate a certain kind of legal mechanism called an earnout or 
deferred consideration into the contract where basically a certain portion of the purchase price or maybe even the full purchase price will be conditional upon the business performing at a certain level after settlement. So we do see that occasionally and it's not uncommon. Okay. Andrew, the vendor is still locked in in some capacity. Is there a danger of him or her losing interest in the business once the business sale agreement has been signed? What's the dangers of that? Yeah, absolutely. So once the contract is signed, we often see that vendors can mentally and emotionally check out from the business and think, okay, it's signed, you know, nothing to worry about, happy days. The danger for that is that if the vendor's checked out of the process, there may be various requirements that they need to meet that might not seem the most important thing. But if they're they're thinking that, well, the contract signed, uh, I don't need to worry about these little details. Things can get overlooked. Those things can snowball and it can be used uh, by the purchaser as a a mechanism to reopen the negotiations, notwithstanding there being a signed contract. Scott, what does a vendor need to look out for in the sale agreement if he or she wants to make sure they're off the hook (laughs) in terms of responsibilities or liabilities then? Yeah, it's an excellent question because this is one of the key objectives from a vendor standpoint, making sure that you're off the hook and you can walk off into the sunset without any worries about the business to the greatest extent possible at the settlement date. From a legal perspective, you want to make sure that there are appropriate limitations of liability within the contract and also clear acknowledgements that you won't be involved in the business ongoing and that you haven't provided any promises around the financial performance of the business going forward and that essentially there's a clean break at that settlement date and you take full responsibility for everything that happened prior to settlement but post-settlement it's the purchaser's issue and trying to get those mechanisms to the greatest extent possible. Okay. And then there's, you know, with these agreements, there's often, I guess, what's been said verbally along the way, but then actually what's written down. So, Andrew, you need to really take care about that, don't you? Commonly, what will happen is there'll be a verbal agreement to start with. The vendor and purchaser will get together. There'll be some discussions and there'll sort of be an in-principle agreement. It's absolutely fundamental that the wording of the contract reflects what's agreed verbally. And if any further verbal discussions happen later on, that, that it's reflected in the contract because, you know, you get to a dispute stage, you can't say, oh, you know, notwithstanding what was said in the contract, we actually agreed this. It's it's what's in the contract. And then it's also important to avoid ambiguity in the contract. So it's very clear what the meaning of a particular term is and so forth. So with these things, the, the devil is really in the detail and the details of the contract. So it's, a, I guess, a warning against off-the-shelf contracts that haven't been tailored to particular scenarios. Uh, Then there's a question of restraint of trade, and that's common too, isn't it? So you pretty much have to accept the restrictions, do you, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. So purchasers will generally want to put some sort of restraints of trade in place to protect the value of their business so that the purchaser can't go and, you know, say you're running a pizza store and they, they want to start up a pizza store 20 metres down the road, you know, they want to protect their goodwill. So I think it's important when you're acting for a vendor to have a discussion with the vendor and see exactly what they want to do going forward. Sometimes business owners will be happy to lie on the hammock and put the feet up and and not work anymore. But often a lot of times business owners will want to go out and do something else. It might not be exactly the same thing, but it may be a similar related thing because that's their area of expertise and so on. So 
Well, it's common to have restraints of trade. I think it's worthwhile having an understanding exactly what the vendors wanted to do going forward and to negotiate on that basis so that they can achieve their objectives to, to the greatest extent possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, final question, you know, every sale's different, but um, is there any overall word of advice to help business sale transactions go smoothly, Scott? There are two cliches that are very applicable to these transactions. The first one is the devil is in the detail and really the circumstances in which that most vendors experience a nightmare sale scenario will be where they haven't paid attention to the little provisions within the contract and there might be some unexpected obligation on them, whether it's a financial obligation or just a general obligation that they weren't expecting. So rarely pay attention to the fact that the devil is in the detail and make sure you're methodical in in your approach. Um, The second cliche is preparation is power. The more proactive you can be, the better. And in order to avoid a a rough or bumpy sales scenario, it's really good advice to just stand back at the beginning of the process, plan everything out to the greatest extent possible and, and have a deliberate way forward. That was directors at Velocity Legal, Scott McKenzie and Andrew Henshaw. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more BE Daily tomorrow. Follow at BE Daily Podcast across social media and head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily podcast. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M A Z A R S.com.au.